I'm going to read our text first, and then I'm going to pray, and uh, we'll, we'll dig in, okay? So Luke 5, verses 12 through 16. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one. But go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and praise. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for... We just thank you for this Sunday. We thank you for the beautiful weather outside, the sun shining, uh, uh, the, the breeze, and just how beautiful your creation is. We praise you for that. Uh, Father, I pray specifically for today, though. Um, I pray for the ears that are listening. I pray that you would work through me to be faithful to your word, uh, that what I say uh, would be truth, and anything that is not truth, Father, I pray that you would protect their hearts against. Uh, Father, Humble our hearts, humble our spirits, lead us to repentance, lead us to confession, and for those who do not have faith in you, lead them to saving grace. Father, I pray for your spirit to fall on this place, that uh, we would all be filled with the spirit, so that we can worship you through the reading of your word and through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, the setting of this scripture indicated in verse 12 is that Jesus here is traveling from city to city, uh, healing people and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Uh, and then you have this man who's full of leprosy who enters into the scene, and he has one mission, and that is to find Jesus and plead with him for healing. So there are three main points that I'm going to try to teach on and that I want you to understand. The first being that I want you to understand that your spiritual deadness outside of Christ, I want you to understand your spiritual deadness outside of Christ, and that the law of God is completely unattainable in and of yourself, and it does nothing but condemns you. Number two is that your spiritual restoration to newness of life and communion with God all happens because of the supernatural work of saving grace and salvation, which is also accomplished 100% outside of yourself. And you have done nothing to increase your favor with God that He would owe you salvation or owe you grace or owe you mercy. And number three is the main point of application towards the end, and that is because of our original separation from God, that is then followed up by our spiritual restoration, we find motivation to go and give the gospel proclamation of this life-changing and life-resurrecting good news. So I even made a rhyme to help it sink in, and I'm also going to throw it on the screen. So once again, that is separation, restoration, motivation, and proclamation. Um, so to start us off in our text, I'm going to give a short educational lesson on leprosy. I don't want the whole thing to be filled with telling you what this infection was, what this disease was, but it's, it's a big part of it. So... 
leprosy is a disease that shows up on the skin in patches, white patches. It sometimes starts on the eyebrows or on the head or the scalp. Uh, and it eventually spreads to the entire body. It is a disease that attacks a person's nerves, so they actually lose feeling. And a lot of times, uh, leprosy isn't even what kills a person. Uh, the, the nerve damage actually leads to them further hurting themselves, and they don't even realize that they've done this, and they continue to live on. And that's usually what kills them from the infection of their wounds. Um, it slowly eats away from a person on their insides and on their outsides. Uh, it is an ancient disease, and now it really only exists in third world countries where the medical uh, things that God has blessed our country with, they do not have access to. So one of the requirements of a leper in ancient days was if, if someone was to walk towards them or if they were to walk towards somebody, they actually had to put their hands over their mouths and shout the words, unclean, unclean. And that was to warn against uh, their disease and their infection to, uh, so it couldn't transfer because it was highly contagious and pretty well incurable. Leviticus 13 shows just how serious the disease was. Uh, if you have time, of like 60, 70 verses to read about leprosy, go do that. Uh, it's a great chapter. Uh, the people who had leprosy were placed outside of the camp, away from the people of God, and away from where God actually commanded that his people worship him. So they were placed outside of the camp and outside of worship, and all their belongings would be burned and destroyed to cease further contamination, but also God wouldn't allow uncleanliness to be in front of him. So it had to be completely decimated. There are even instances in history where adults and children, as lepers would be approaching them, they would pick up rocks and throw them at him. But what I want you to see in what I just described here is the necessity of the leper screaming unclean, unclean, and covering their mouth. What does that remind you of? In Luke 5. So, the previous, previous sermon that Matt spoke on is uh, Simon Peter, who is a professional fisherman. Uh, and he just gets in, he gets in from a long night of fishing with, with no success. Uh, and Jesus tells him to go out to the deep and lower his nets. And so, Simon Peter goes. He lowers his nets. And if you remember... Peter catches a lot of fish, so much that his nets begin to break. He calls over other fishermen to help. They then start loading up all the fish into their boats, and their boats begin to sink. That's how much fish they caught. Uh, and if you remember this, Peter falls on his knees and cries out, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. So why does Peter say that? Because he realizes that he's in the presence of one who exercises the power of God. Peter is conscious of his sinfulness in that section. But in our text today, we see that a man with leprosy understands more than Peter, that it is his uncleanliness. The reason why he must draw near to Christ is because he's unclean, not depart from him. He asked for healing. So that brings me to my first point. And that is spiritual deadness separated from Christ. So we're going to start in verse 12. And verse 12 says, While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. 
And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. This verse speaks directly to our hearts as, as Christians, as unbelievers, uh, all alike. Um, and to give you a definition of what exactly we're dealing with whenever I talk about the heart, I'm going to read from Jeremiah 17.9. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick and that no man can understand it. So that's what we're dealing with. So your heart is full of leprosy. It's full of sickness, it's full of vileness, it's full of wickedness. And it shows itself and most clearly in how we spend our money, how we spend our time, and the things that come out of our mouths. Like Matthew 12, 34 says. And really those are the easy ones that you can see and that other people can see. The more frightful ones are the ones that remain in your heart and mind and are hidden from the outside world. And sometimes you can't even identify them. Such as your pride or lustful selfishness where people become objects used for consumption with no care for their souls. And maybe that's not even shown in sexual sin. Maybe that's shown in personal gain, where people are just the next step to a promotion or the next step to uh, credit or recognition. So today, you're most likely one of these three people here. I hope you're one of the first two. And give me, give me a second when I go through the first one, because you're going to be like, why are you hopeful of that? But I hope you're one of the first two and not the third. The first being that you have not repented of your sin and you have not put your faith in Christ. That part, that's not what I'm hopeful for. But what I am hopeful for is that you can at least recognize that you're a pretty jacked up individual. Uh, that you can actually recognize that something's wrong with you. And you might not even be able to understand or explain it. You just know. Uh, or number two, you're the second and you are a Christian and you do recognize that you're a pretty jacked up individual and that you are sinful and God has revealed your sin to you. And number three, which I pray is not the case, uh, is that you think you're a pretty good person and that your works are good enough to appease God's wrath. And you wouldn't actually say it that way. Most likely you would say it in the way that I'm a good person and as long as I continue to do good, I'll be all right. To which I'm here to warn you that your works are as filthy rags as Isaiah would say. And with those alone, all you are motivating a just and holy God to do is to reveal His glory by demonstrating His wrath on you. Good news is, is that this message is for all of the above. It's for every one of those that I listed. So one of the side effects that leprosy brought to a person socially was that the individual was considered to be separated from God. As I talked about earlier, they were put outside the camp. They were put outside of the place that God commanded that he be worshipped. Uh, they were considered condemned by the law. And the only thing the priest could do is separate them for no further contamination. And because God, like I said earlier, demands cleanliness in his presence and in the people's presence of, of his chosen people. There was also very little hope of a leper being healed. We have a story in 2 Kings 5 uh, that's the story of Naaman who travels to the king of Israel uh, with a letter from the king of Aram. And the king of Aram is requesting that Naaman be cured of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel reads it, he tears his robe and he says, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of leprosy? 
So I don't know about you, but in seventh grade, I had a lung collapse for no reason at all. That happens. Um, but I went to the hospital, and I can tell you this, that if the doctor stepped outside and started tearing his clothes off and saying, oh, my God, can I raise the dead, uh, I would not be too confident in my case or, or in his ability. So after this, this story happens of uh, him going to the king of Israel, um, the story continues, and he goes to the prophet Elisha. And he tells Naaman to go and wash himself seven times and be healed. And Naaman does this, and he's healed. So as we see here, there are references in the Old Testament to the healing of a leopard, but it's compared to that of raising a dead man. And so, not very likely. And that's why they had leper camps, actually, in the Old Testament, because people were not healed of this disease. But we also see the healing of a leopard was impossible outside of divine grace, and outside of, outside of an instrument that God uses to heal it. So we have this image of this man back in Luke now. I have an image of this man coming to the officials and coming to the priest as the law in Leviticus commands, maybe even multiple times, to check on his condition of leprosy. And constantly he hears the words, unclean, unclean. To which... The logical response is, how can you help me? How can you help me with this disease? And their answer would be, nothing the law condemns you. The same thing happens to you and I when we take the law and we put it in front of ourselves and we gauge ourselves to it. And if you want to know what that means, go and read the Ten Commandments, but then turn around and go to Matthew and read the Sermon on the Mount. And that will break down just for you that you're not able to fulfill the law. Jesus makes that teaching very clear. So you cannot fulfill the righteous requirements that God has set. You can't even come close to pleasing one because where you fell in one, you fell in the other. James 2.10. Galatians 5.14 says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, to which I would ask, how are you doing? Because I know myself, your neighbor is anybody that you come into contact with in this open world, maybe that you have a conversation with. So how are you loving them? Because I can tell you, my heart at work is pretty wretched and pretty vile when it comes to, the, to other sinners. Um, so, our hearts are full of leprosy, and like I was saying earlier, they are much more wicked than we are aware of. And it kind of makes me think of the story of Israel when they're roaming through the wilderness and God is guiding them and he's redirecting them from their enemies because he understands that they're, they have really weak spirits. He understands that they are a weak people. And he understands that if he were to come into contact with them, that they would lose courage and lose faith. So God does the same to us with our sin. He reveals it to us graciously, slowly. Because it would be absolutely devastating to have all the wretchedness and the wickedness of my heart and your heart revealed to you at once. We see a scene of that in Isaiah when he falls on his face in fear of the Lord and says, Holy, 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 I'm a man of unclean lips. He says that he's undone. Now the question that, that to ask that the text answers is, what is the response of the leper aware of his condition? So I've told you, you have a leper's heart. So what is the response? What is the proper response to take? The answer is humility. 
The verse reads, And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him. He came to Jesus ashamed of his contamination, and he falls on his face. He came with a desire to be healed of the disease that has affected his entire body. And he came with a desire to be healed from the disease of sin that brought him separation from God and God's people. We need to repent of our laziness and lack of desire to be clean because we do not beg for cleanliness. We do not beg for a pure heart the way we should. But notice also, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He came to Jesus trusting in his grace and he knew that Jesus could do the work. But also, notice this man's theology, if you will. He came to him humbly, he came with a desire, he came with faith, and he came with the heart that said, not my will be done, but yours, which is the heart that we later see in the Garden of Gethsemane whenever Jesus is praying to his father about the cup of wrath that he's going to drink. So the leper knew that Jesus was the only one that could heal him. He had tried the priest, he had tried the Levitical law, and no healing could be brought to him. And some of you have tried and tried and tried and I tried and tried and tried before I was brought to faith. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is the only way to be healed from your sinful state. So point number two is restoration. So something I just want to point out too in Luke and the miracles of Luke, uh, kind of the theme is that it's, it's a restoring miracle. That, that's, that's kind of the theme through Luke. So, Moving forward, verse 13, And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Christ is aware of our case. He is aware of our condition. And he, he's gracious. He put forth his hand and touched him. And some of you know this reality. I know that I know this reality because whenever I was brought to faith, I couldn't explain it. I, I, I literally could not explain it. But there are glimpses in Scripture where I scream, yes, that was me. Thank you, Jesus, for showing mercy. And thank you, Jesus, for being gracious to me. And that is one of these stories. And really, any of the stories of healing, the leper, uh, the blind man, you can see that story and you can see your salvation in it if you have faith in Christ. So something I do is whenever I share the gospel with people, I, it's basically impossible for me not to resort back to a testimony. Uh, and I find this somewhat fitting. Um, um, so I was raised in a small town, Pleasant View, Tennessee. Uh, growing up, I went to two Southern Baptist churches that I believe preached the gospel, but I never had ears to hear, so I, I can't testify by myself. Uh, I was baptized at six or seven. I uh, think that I brought it up to my mom, and she said, well, you need to sit down with the pastor. I can't make that call. And that's what happened, and he deemed that I'd be baptized. Um, but I was not brought to true, genuine faith until I was 22 years old. I was working next to a man by the name of Steve who shared the gospel with me, and from then I started listening to sermons, and I actually had an interest in what the Bible said, which is the strangest thing in the world if you knew previous Robert. Um, because before Steve spoke to me, I believed in things like reincarnation, numerology. Uh, I believed in karma with a small dash of Jesus. 
So I was a buffet religion type of guy. Take it all. So it, it's very weird because with my interest in all those things, I was really just looking for something. I was looking for something to fix me. That, that's it. When it comes down to the bare bones, I wanted to be fixed. And one day, boom, it happened. I mean, it just happened. I, I was a mess. I was crying all the time. People were weirded out at work. My wife now was weirded out at home. Uh, um, no one wanted to talk to me because I was this emotional train wreck. My sin had been revealed to me. I, I started to understand scripture. I started to understand uh, the glories of God and the cross. Uh, but in October 2013, Christ, Christ reached out his hand, and he touched my heart, and he healed me. And the point is, is that he did not have to do that, nor did he have to touch this leper. But that is, that is Christ, and that is the good news of the gospel, because he reaches out into dark, sinful conditions and dark, sinful hearts and saves people. That is the good news. So he did not have to demonstrate grace to me or to any of y'all who, who have saving faith. Because honestly, the only thing that I and you can do is motivate a God to send us to hell. That's it. Because that is how separated we are. But he showed just how low he could go and would go to do good to the needy and unworthy people of the world. So the stories of grace and scriptures and the stories of grace that we see in people's lives, in my life, in my wife's life, in Sean's life, in his kids' lives, in Kyle's life. Kyle, I knew Kyle in high school. And I was not saved then, and I didn't know he was, probably because I wasn't. I couldn't identify it. Uh, and then walks in USI one day, and I praise God for the grace that he's shown him, and the grace that he's shown me, that we are now brothers. So let these stories of God's grace be motivation to us, and let's pray for God to change our hearts so that we can be in the presence of the lowest of low and not budge or be intimidated by their wretchedness, but have full confidence in the life-resurrecting power of the gospel. And honestly, the reality in Christ, outside of Christ, but in Christ, you're a beggar who just knows where the bread's at. That's it. You, you're just pointing somewhere else. Hey, you, you're hungry. There's food over there. So I pray the Spirit would humble our hearts and make us often contemplate our wretchedness outside of Christ, and therefore actually recognizing our identity in Christ. So this is what's such good news about the person and work of Jesus, because he is compassionate and ready to relieve us of our burdens and our sins. John 6.37 says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Jesus meets us in our sin, like I've already talked about, because Jesus stretched out his hand, he touched him, and if you were like me and you were like this leopard, you've got some baggage whenever you, whenever you come to this table. You have sin that you have struggled with since the day your heart was turned into flesh and could recognize that it was sin. But if you're saved, you have a promise that seals you and shapes you and that is that God will make you clean. That is the promise. God will make you clean. Titus 3.5 says, And he saved us 
not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing, by the cleansing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So a song that I love is How He Loves Us by John Mark McMillan, and I'm going to use it as an illustration. Um, so the first time I actually heard this song uh, was I was sitting in, um, in, in a church. I was a new Christian. It was my first Good, Day, Good Friday service as a Christian. I remember Matt was giving the message. Uh, Joe Hearn was uh, singing this song, led us in this song, and it was the first time I heard and the first time I realized and got a glimpse of exactly the distance that God would go to save and to reconcile people to himself. And to make someone clean and to make someone pure. So there's a part in the song that says, if grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. And I think I've heard this from somewhere. I'm not sure. I couldn't pinpoint it. Um... Uh, but I love that verse because God's grace absolutely drowns people. It, do, it doesn't even let you up to get a breath on the surface. And our reaction to that is to fight and fight and fight and try to reach the surface and try to gasp a little bit of air instead of just opening our mouths and filling our lungs and drowning in God's grace and love and mercy that he has for us in Christ. And that's what makes us clean, is the fact that the cross of Jesus absolutely kills us. So, His cleanliness is your cleanliness, and His righteousness is your righteousness, and His life is your life, and you're buried with Him, and you're raised with Him, even though our hearts overflow with all sorts of sin and with all sorts of wretchedness and wickedness. Jesus heals of our spiritual leprosy. He speaks and touches, and immediately the leprosy left him. Verse 13 says. 1 Corinthians 6.11 But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So, not only is that what makes us clean, but it's also what motivates us to fight sin. And you need to take courage because you're fighting a battle that is already won. He would not have said it is finished on the cross if it wasn't actually finished. He wouldn't speak that. It's not just there to carry on to the next chapter. It's there to tell you it is finished and you need to fight sin knowing that it is finished. So point number three, and this is my last point. His life of worship. So verse 14 says, And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded for a proof to them. This work that Jesus has done, the regenerating power of the Spirit will, will create in us a heart of thankfulness and will create in us a heart of worship because of the divine grace that's freely been given to us. Make an offering for your cleansing, is what verse 14 says. Not only in that instance was Jesus being submissive to the law, which everyone thought that he was against the law, not only was he being submissive to the law by telling him to go through this process, but by going to the priest, he was guiding this man down the proper road 
of worship to him. Proper praise, proper worship to God. And that's what we need to aim as a church, as Christians. We need to aim to worship God the way God tells us to worship him in his holy scriptures. Not by mere feeling, not by mere preference, not by certain genre of music, not by filler. Just a heads up, we're going to do acapella probably in the next three weeks. Not kidding either. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. Just a warning. But it's to show you that there are different ways to praise God and to worship God that still fall in line with Scripture. And that way we're, we're away from preference. So he was testifying to, to the priest, to everyone who saw this, that he had the ability to cleanse people of their sins, to forgive men and women of their sins. In verse 14, it says, for a proof to them. Not only a proof about his leprosy, but a proof about the power of God that Jesus Christ holds in healing and forgiving sins. So all of Christ's ministry and miracles were displayed as a testimony to his divine ability to forgive sins. But as we see in this story, that, that's not why people responded to Jesus. That's not why they responded to the miracles. Hence why he withdraws himself. And that's the verses that we're going to go to, verse 15 and verse 16. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad. And great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. Verse 16, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. So really quick, I'm not going to touch on this too long, but verse 16, notice that when Jesus heals, he actually takes the spot of a leopard by becoming lonely and withdrawing to desolate places. He is now the outcast, and the leper is now accepted. But Christ's purpose behind the miracles he did was to communicate that he could save, that he could heal, that he was there to fulfill the law. But people just saw him as a resource to attain healing. People were looking outside of themselves, at their skin, at their legs, what, whatever the infirmity was. They were looking outside of themselves for relief from pain and illnesses. But Jesus was there to give salvation to the inside, to the leper's heart. He was there to cleanse. And that's what this leper understands. So my question to myself, and maybe you ask yourself this, is how would you respond in this situation? Because you, you literally have all these sick people, all these hurting people coming to you, and his response is, I'm going to leave. Uh, so my answer that I came up with is, I don't know. Uh, I think that's something that in the context of whatever you're doing, you need to pray and be led by the Spirit to do that, just like Jesus was. But I do know that as Christians, we have the most important job in the world. I love that God has blessed us with men and women, such as Lisa. That's the only one that I know in this field, or in this area that's in the medical field. Uh, sorry uh, if I've forgotten someone. But um, I'm very thankful that God has blessed those people with the mind and with the patience to go through medical school. school and also the mind and the patience to deal with those patients, because I know some are difficult. But even if someone in the medical field came up with a medicine that healed every type of cancer and every type of disease and every type of illness 
and they freely distributed it to the entire world, thereby curing all disease and ridding the earth of all sickness. Our jobs as Christians is far more important because you can have the outside and the inside of your body healed from cancer and from tumors and still die and go to hell. So that is why, as Christians, we have the job, the greatest job, actually, in the world, too, because of the joy that it brings you to speak of your Savior. But not only that, it's more important because eternity matters on it. So we have the message of Jesus, that he took our sins, that he carried them to the cross, that he bore the wrath of God, that he died the death that we deserve, that he was buried, and that on the third day he rose and rose from the dead, conquering sin and death, and ascended into heaven and is seating at the right hand of the Father, and that he will come back to judge the world and bring his saints home. That's the message of the gospel. Is he will save you from your sins. How do I know? Because he saved himself from death. He conquered it. Put it in the grave. So proclaim this boldly. And unbelieving sinner, cry out to God and ask him to heal your rebellious hearts. Some... some Someone's probably already hardened their heart to this message, even. Cry out to God. Cry, that, cry out that he would heal your hearts. And if nothing happens, you have two choices. You can stop, and you can go to hell, or you can pray and ask for forgiveness and continue and continue and continue, and God will save you. And if you don't know what that looks like, ask me, ask Sean, ask Matt. Ask who you came with. We'll cry out with you. I mean... That's what, that's what we're here to do. We're not in a rush to go get Denny's or Steak and Shake. I mean, but ask a question and don't leave with that burden on your heart. So let us pray. Uh, Father, I thank you for uh, just your word. I thank you for um, the faithfulness that Jesus Christ had to your plan, uh, that he suffered the death that we deserve, that he is uh, interceded. You know, interceding for us and speaking to the Father for us. Father, I pray for uh, the believing, those who have faith in here, that you would encourage them with your word to fight sin, uh, but be encouraged that sin is already defeated. Uh, Father, I pray for those who do not have faith, that you would soften their hearts, be gracious to them, be merciful to them, even though they are undeserving. Um, And Father, throughout this week, send us, Send us to proclaim your truth at work, in hard places. Uh, Soften our hearts to people who are absolutely wretched in our life. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.